0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Letterman Row. I am Austin Ward, joined by Jeremy Birmingham and Spencer Holbrook. And we're finally within a week and a half of Ohio State playing a football game. It feels like it's been 10 or 11 years uh, since the last time they were on the field. But Ryan Day, Corey Dennis, and Justin Fields provided some updates. One more practice in the horseshoe coming on Saturday for Ohio State. Uh, and then a couple more practice reports brought to you by Byers Auto on the way before October 24th, Ohio State, Nebraska. High noon on Fox in the Horseshoe. For him, listening to Ryan Day, my, my first takeaway was he started talking about, like, basic fundamental football stuff again. You can tell that that's when a game is really getting close, when a coach is talking about uh, winning the turnover battle, protecting the football, making sure that you own the line of scrimmage, and avoiding penalties. So it feels like now it's starting to get real for Ryan Day.
1: Yeah, you know football's back when coaches get generic as hell. Uh, but I think that's – a relatable because we've watched football over the last six weeks and as much as Ryan Day said it at the end of the press conference today it's been kind of torture for him and for the coaches at Ohio State and the players but on some level I can't help but think it's going to be a benefit to the Buckeyes to be able to see sort of the hiccups that everyone else has had and to say hey guys look at this Alabama is giving up 1,700 yards in a football game or however many they gave up. That might not be the actual number, but it felt like it. Like you can't just come out and expect to throw your helmet on the field and and dominate games just because you're Ohio State. These other teams are in the same position uh, the Buckeyes are, and you have a lot of questions coming up about what's going to happen. Hell, I mean, Virginia Tech is still playing with like 15 players not able to go, right? So um, obviously the Big Ten won't allow that, but there's going to be some – some changes and you need to be prepared and focus on the little things. Ryan Day, that was kind of my takeaway uh, as we've done this show in the last few weeks. The takeaway to me is that we can talk about Justin Fields as a Heisman Trophy candidate and the best quarterback in the country and all these other things, but the Buckeyes have to focus on the little things or you risk uh, all that fight to get back to this season
0: being totally worthless. And I left out one important detail there, Spencer, where you know winning the turnover battle line of scrimmage, Tackling, 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 as Alabama can attest or, you know, LSU or anybody, any of these other historic or any Big 12 defense for that matter, uh, the tackling has been suspect and some of that is probably going to be unavoidable when you don't play football for nine and a half, 10 months. But, you know, certainly it's not for a lack of emphasis on Ohio State right now.
2: Yeah, like, if you look back, the first week Navy didn't tackle the entire offseason looked horrible. Texas and Oklahoma still haven't figured out how to tackle, and it's been years they've been trying to practice this stuff. The big, the SEC defenses look like Big 12 defenses right now. There's, you didn't know how to tackle and how to approach that early in this offseason because you didn't want your guys to be hitting each other all the time. But Ohio State's making sure that that is not going to be an issue. I, I can't imagine this team is going to be one of those teams that comes out and misses a lot of tackles just because – they seem to be putting such an emphasis on it, even more so than normal. Like, it's football. You're going to emphasize the need to tackle. And we saw it last year. They, they short up their tackling from 2018 to 2019. I think it's going to be even more this year. They, they've got to get that down because Nebraska is the type of team where they're quick enough. If you miss a couple tackles, they're going to the end zone. And so you've got to be ready right off the bat, week one, to face a, a speedy
1: team that can, that can hurt you if you miss a couple tackles. I think that's a really good point is that Wandale Robinson, Adrian Martinez, these are guys that if you don't play fundamentally sound, you will get beat for a long touchdown. And as we saw at Purdue in 2018, like you just give up, you give up on a play before it's over because you think you have a guy tackled and all of a sudden that players like Rondale Moore, Wondell Robinson, et cetera, uh, can, can make you feel bad about
0: yourself. I think that one of the key things we're always trying to formulate a depth chart and figure out who's going in, where, and, you know, I tried to you know, get Ryan to Ryan Day to weigh in a little bit more on what positions might actually be uncertain. I think you can piece it together uh, the way that we all have, that he talked about uh, you know, Josh Proctor and Marcus Hooker at safety and then threw in a couple other names of younger guys. We've talked uh, a lot on this show the last couple of weeks about defensive tackle three technique in particular, about how that's going to work itself out. And Ryan Day said they were still hoping to get a couple guys back. Obviously, those couple would be Haskell Garrett and Teron Vincent. And then you're, you're trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen at right tackle. The assumption has been that Nicholas Petit Frere would be the starter. And he said, well, oh, we're going to play him and Paris Johnson in the opener. They have one more day in the horseshoe on Saturday. And then Ryan Day is talking about next week, sitting down and knowing for sure who's going to be game ready. And if you are game ready, you're going to play. So, Berm, like, in your mind and you're listening today and you're talking about, the, you know, the coach speak that's getting ramped up now. How much do you think is really left to be settled here for the Buckeyes?
1: Probably not as much as, as he's letting, you know, us see. I think that certainly we believe that, you know, the cornerback position, you know who the top four guys are going to be that are going to rotate in. Uh, But as he said, they're going to play depth if they have depth. And that's one of the things that Ohio state has an advantage over everyone else in the big 10 and most teams in the country is that in this COVID manic that we're in, right. You just don't know. I mean, if someone can't play the other guys need to be ready to go. And I think that it's a smarter approach to say, hell, everyone's going to play like be prepared. He said, the only guy that's going to play the whole game is Justin Fields. Like that's, that's it. So um, I think that they probably have a, a much better idea of the pecking order at each position than maybe he's letting on, but um you know, safety—that is one spot where we're waiting for somebody to step up. He, it was nice to hear uh, Chives, this guy, uh, Bryson Shaw, get thrown into the mix today. Um, you know, but uh, there's there's certainly a few positions where you're like, okay, we know what's going to happen there. I mean, it, it's the offensive line's pretty well set. I think we can still assume that Paris Johnson will be the the backup to start the year. But i you know, who knows if that is that way in week three? That's the whole thing. Like, we don't know. This year is still going to be crazy.
0: That safety race is certainly fascinating on the uh, buyer's auto practice report at Letterman Road because Spencer has talked, you know, he, he's got the Bryson Shaw camp, you with your Arizona ties, probably deep, Ransom. deep in Lathan Ransom. And, uh, you know, anybody who's from uh, northeast Oklahoma, Tulsa, like Josh Proctor, they've got my vote. Uh, I think I probably got the edge over you two this season, but we, we don't know for sure how that's going to play out. We certainly have an assumption because Josh Proctor's now had – Two years in the program, experience in the Fiesta Bowl, even if it wasn't all positive, um, he's got to be that guy. This is the this is, you know, really a make or break year for him in my estimation. And look, with the way that teams are throwing the football around this year, the way that they're probably ahead of the defense across the country, if you don't have somebody who can take over that Jordan Fuller role, boy, that's that's a big question mark to have.
2: Yeah, and it's really interesting to me because you're not talking about playing against a two-star quarterback from you know, Northwest Ohio against Bowling Green to open the season, you're opening against Nebraska. And so, especially in that safety role, you know, you don't have the luxury of of putting four different guys out there over the span of four quarters and figuring out who might be able to start to begin the Big Ten season in the first game of October or the last game of September. You're diving right into a Nebraska team that that got embarrassed by Ohio State last year is going to be looking to put some points on the board. It's just really interesting that, you know, they don't have the luxury of of piecing together everything as they go. This has to be – you know, you're, you're not dipping your toes in the water. You're doing a cannonball into the water, and, and you've got to be ready. And I think some of these position battles that you might have seen some guys interchange in the first few series if they would have played Bowling Green or Rutgers in the first game, you don't get to do that. And I think that is something that they've got to get shored up in this – the next 11 days to, to prepare for what they're about to see.
0: Well, it hasn't exactly taken them long to blow out Nebraska in this series, if we're being completely honest. <laughs> I mean, you're right there, but – I think this Nebraska team is a little bit improved. I'm not going to say
2: that they're going to put give Ohio State any sort of fight. I just think it's it it's not the same as playing a Rutgers or
1: a Maryland. I think <laughs> that you have to be prepared for Josh Proctor and these guys like him, Taraja Mitchell, those sort of dudes that have been like waiting to hit the hit somebody really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think my bigger concern is that because the way defense is played, the way that the officials are uh, officiating, I'm more concerned for Ohio State if. Josh Proctor gets called for targeting in the first quarter of the game against Nebraska. Then I am like, you know, who's going to really, who needs to be ready to play behind him because of that? Like that's what I think is the biggest concern. We know from a talent perspective, what we've seen out of Josh Proctor in practice and, and heard about him over the last couple of years, like he's the closest to a Malik hooker type of safety. We've had uh, discussions about it in Columbus since Malik uh, moved out of the NFL. So, you know, he can make an impact on the field. He just has to stay on the field. And I, I mean, I, the last two images we have of Josh Proctor are him almost killing a quarterback at Wisconsin and then getting killed by a quarterback uh, against Clemson. So, um, you know, I think that he just needs to find some consistency and find a way to stay on the field.
0: Birm, you brought this up that, that Ryan Day said, the only guy who's going to be, you know, chiseled into that depth chart that's going to be on the field for an entire game is Justin Fields. Now we know from having watched Ohio State for years that that's not uh, going to be entirely the case when you look at this schedule. So when, when Corey Dennis and Justin Fields are talking about, you know, the guys that are coming behind them, I think that it's a fascinating sort of debate for the Buckeyes to have. For the short-term interest of the program, you would want your true backup to be getting reps in case he has to take over. That's going to be Gunnar Hoke. He's more experienced. Uh, he knows the offense is year two for him in that. If you're looking at the long-term interest of the program and you're blowing out Rutgers, you know, would you rather put out CJ Stroud and Jack Miller and start sorting through getting a head start with game reps and and thinking about what's going to happen next spring as they buy to be this next starting quarterback? They don't want to talk about that publicly, but you know as well as I do that that sort of conversation behind closed doors has been going on for months.
1: It has to be. I mean, the, the simple truth, again, and I, I hate to keep belaboring the point, but like we have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> this season. Like we've waited so long to get here and we, you know, feel like, okay, football's now 10 days away. But again, 10 days in the year 2020 is like 350 years in a normal uh, calendar. So uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Well, Someone has. Yeah. Hell yeah. Someone has to be available. Um, but the point is, If Justin Fields gets knocked out of a game because his helmet comes off in the middle of the third quarter, I think you're going to see Gunnar Hulk run out on the field to take the next step, right? Now, God forbid something worse happens. I think the Buckeyes have a serious debate about how you move forward, how you proceed, how Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud have developed and what the value is of putting them in now versus Gunnar Hoke. Or, you know, if you have a game or two where you need someone else to play, I think that uh, we look at a much greater debate.
0: How do you handle it, Spencer? Um I
2: I always err on the side of, you know, if you're, you're going to struggle on offense and I'm not saying they will struggle with a different quarterback, but if you're going to have to go to another option, you you should just play the youth because you're at least getting them experience. And I I have always stuck by that and I think that's the way you have to go. I think it, it's valuable to have a guy like Gunnar Hoke in the room and maybe he takes over for the first couple games, but eventually the talent of either CJ Stroud or Jack Miller is going to seep through and it's going to to take over anyways. So you might as well you know, throw them in the water because they're, they're not – it's either put them in that position right now or put them in that position next spring. And you might as well get live bullets flying, game reps uh, for them now because because that's way more valuable than than having Gunner Hoke in there, you know, at the beginning. I, I, like I said, I just think one of those freshmen would take over anyways, and, and I think it's more valuable to get those guys playing time as soon as possible.
1: Spencer Holbrook, noted young person. Uh, <laughs> He's no, always – he, looked-
0: He's always believed it, Berm. He's always believed
1: it. But he's right. I mean, the fact is, if something's going to happen, uh, eventually it should probably happen immediately. And it, it, the, the, this year is a free year for these guys eligibility wise. You don't really lose much by playing them. But again, that really all depends on the entire context of the season. Is is the playoff no longer an option or you know, do these things, something else falling apart? So I think a lot of those debates and decisions come down to the circumstances that are, you know, happening at that given moment. But, again, we just don't have any idea because 2020 is amazing.
0: (laughs) We'll start to get a much better idea of that when the Buckeyes are playing a real live game for the first time since December. It's only 11 days away. Thank God. Uh, Letterman Rowe cannot possibly wait much longer to see uh, Ohio State back in action. That's coming soon. We're going to get uh, to cover all of that and some more nine games on the schedule looking forward to the possibility of 11 to break down right here on the buyer's auto practice report jeremy birmingham spencer holbrook hanging out with me as always i'm austin ward we'll see you next time at let him